Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. How are we doing tonight? You guys doing good? Hey, it is, uh, man, it's summer, uh, and it really is summer outside. It is uh, freaking warm out. <laughs> uh, how many guys have like, man, you're just not, you're not, you don't dig the heat. You're like, I don't dig this humidity. <laughs> I just see a lot of girls' hands. They're like, oh, my hair, uh, <laughs> it messes with things. Uh, me too. Uh, <laughs> but I'm so glad that you are uh, here. Uh, I know it's uh, C12 Summer. It's kind of the teaching series that we're jumping in on, and uh, we're going over the theme of biblical knowledge. And uh, as you know, it's summer, and it's kind of a heat wave coming in. And uh, in my car this past week, uh, it was actually 106 degrees uh, in my car. And I was like, bro, nope, <laughs> uh-uh. like I'm going back up north. Like this is way too hot for me. Uh, it, have you ever been in the car and it like melted something? Like it was so hot in your car. Uh, I had a gym bag and it literally melted my whole deodorant uh, <laughs> in my bag. And I was like, what am I like supposed to do? Uh, it was just so hot uh, in my car. It's actually the first time I came to Georgia right before I was about to get into the residency program, uh, or right after I got in the residency program, I should say, and I was meeting some people. This is my first time here. Uh, and some of you are like, hey, if it's my first time, I want to make a good impression. Uh, my first time, I wasn't used to this Georgia humidity. Like it was, it's, it's like way too hot. And I'm going to meet people and literally like sweat is like all over me. And I'm like going to shake people's hands. And it was like, it was soaked. Like I'm going to shake people's hands. And it was like wet. Like people like shake your hand. Like, <laughs> okay, we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> like they did the whole like swipe on the pants and now I'm like more self-conscious, so I'm sweating even more. Uh, hopefully that's not your experience. If it is your first time with us, uh, you know, sweat and get nervous that bad. But if it is your first time, hey, we just want to say uh, a big welcome home. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, we do something every week after service. It's called C12 Connect. Uh, it's literally straight out these doors. Uh, we'd love to get to meet you. Uh, if it is your first time, we have just kind of more information, just the ways that you can get connected to our ministry family, whether that's going through Growth Track, being a part of small groups. Uh, how many have been a part of small groups already? Uh, man, come on. It, it is uh, the, the life and blood of our ministry. Uh, I'm actually going to throw up on the screen uh, behind us. Uh, if you're not in a group, hey, we really encourage you to be in a group. We go ahead and text that on the screen behind me, but we just really believe that there's power in community. It's one of our values as a ministry, and we hope that you get to, to be a part of it, and we want to, to engage in that uh, uh, this summer. But over the past couple of weeks, uh, just kind of jump into uh, our series. We've been going after a thing called C12 Summer, and we've been going specifically over the different names of God. And, and over the past couple of weeks, we went over El Elyon, which means the most high God. We went over Yahweh, which means I will be. We went over El Shaddai, which means the Lord God Almighty. And then we, last week we went over Jehovah Raha, which means the Lord my shepherd. And I'm not going like to just go so deep into all of them. You can catch us uh, on our podcast. You can listen over the last couple of weeks. But the whole premise of this series, and maybe you miss us over the past couple of weeks. This is your first week being here. The whole premise is that if God knows us by our name, then we should know uh, him by his if God knows us by our name, then we should know him by his. And, and, and when it comes down to it, perspective really matters. Like our perspective matters and, and how you view God really matters. Maybe you view God as someone who's pure. Maybe you view God as someone who's just or, or, or loving uh, or, or holy. Uh, what, what is maybe a way that you would uh, maybe give a name to God or an attribute to God? Go ahead and shout it out. What, what's like a name that you would give God? Loving, awesome, check, double dose. 
<laughs> if someone says pure, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laugh so hard. Uh, what's another name that you would give to God? I heard friendship. Bad, okay. Dad, okay. It's like, wow, we took a turn. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know how you want me to turn from that. Uh, all right, pure, just bad. He's bad. Um, okay, dad, what else? What's another name of God? Patient. I like it. What's another one? Forgiving. Let's do a couple more. Kind. Righteous. See, if you just learn how to scribble, no one actually makes fun of how you spell because you just can kind of write it out. Uh, another one. King. So you might refer to God, you give him these names, pure, just, loving, kind, forgiving. See, it's, it, it, it's easy to give maybe God these names because in the good seasons of your life or when God brings breakthrough, maybe when God shows up, maybe God uh, answers a prayer request on your timeline or God does something that you know is, is good for you, you can easily give attributes to God when God shows up, when it's easy. What about when God doesn't show up the way that you want him to? Maybe you have weeks where you're like, man, I was praising God last week and I'm pissed at God this week. <laughs> How many of you ever feel that? You're like, man, last week was great. This week sucks. Like this week, I actually cannot stand it. Maybe you have moments like that. I literally had a moment like that just the other day where I was so thankful for how God showed up. And then the next day, I was just kind of like angry and uptight. And I was like, well, God, what the heck? You were just as faithful then. What about today? What about right now? And in those moments, you don't feel like God is any of those things. See, in the really hard moments, you don't feel like God is any of these things to you. And now you start calling God different names. Maybe when God doesn't give you the answer that you want. God doesn't speak when you thought that he would. God doesn't provide the job that you wanted. You didn't get into the school that you wanted. God doesn't move as fast as what you want him to. God doesn't seem to be there in your singleness or in your marriage or in your family. God doesn't seem to be answering the prayers on your timeline. Maybe God just doesn't seem to get it. Like God just doesn't get it. Ever had those moments where like, God, you just don't understand. Like God, you don't get it. Like I, I, I would do it better than maybe what you could. Like I would do it differently. You ever have those moments with the Lord and you're like, yep, I, I, you, you say this prayer, you might come to God and you're like, God, I would have done that differently. God, I, I might have I shifted that. I might have done that a little differently. And now God is not maybe just to you or loving or holy or he's the king. He's forgiving. He's patient. Maybe God to you in hard seasons, he's unfair. God is unjust. God is late. God is distant. God is detached. God is apathetic. God is mean. Maybe God is, just seems nowhere to you. See, we give God a lot of names. We like to give God a lot of names to him, but the names we give God matter. And we like to call God a lot of names. But the thing about what we call God, hang with me, the things that we call God, it doesn't affect his name, it just affects our view. The things that we call God doesn't affect his name, it actually affects our view. It doesn't damage his reputation. It actually damages our belief. But what we call God matters. And it's important to know his name so it aligns our heart to his. Maybe this statement. You got to look at this on the screen. Maybe a way of, of, of how, do, how do you view this? 
of God is, is nowhere. It could be God is now here. Maybe God is nowhere. Maybe how you perceive it. It's the same phrase. It's the same sentence. <laughs> but perspective matters. Maybe you view it as, well, God is nowhere. Maybe you view it as God is now here. It's the same, the same phrase, the same sentence, but how you view it matters. Perspective matters. And what we call him versus what God reveals himself as matters. And the names of God really matter to us. And tonight we're going over the question as, of as why does God seem distant or why does God seem hidden from us? Why does God seem hidden from us? It's by going over the name of Jehovah Shema, which means the Lord is there. Jehovah Shema, which means the Lord is there. This was a symbolic name that was actually given in the Old Testament. Israel used this. It's this name that indicates that God has not abandoned Jerusalem. He's leaving it in ruins, but that there will be a restoration. It's used only one time in the Old Testament. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. God uses it just one time in Ezekiel 48. And I'll get to that passage in a minute, but I want to go over tonight why God seems hidden from us. At times we feel it, but I want us to go over maybe a biblical example where it shows that in Scripture. and does this in Isaiah. It says, truly you are a God who has been hiding himself. Interesting. That truly you are a God who has been hiding himself. If you're taking notes, you got the Bible app open. Go ahead and highlight this. Truly you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. All the makers of idols will be put to shame and disgrace. They will go off into disgrace together, but Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will never be put to shame or disgrace to ages everlasting. See, the Lord in Isaiah in this passage was making himself known. God was making himself known and then saying that there's no other gods like me. There's a lot of idols, but they don't compare to who I am. And this is where Jerusalem begins to be inhabited by the Lord. But before he inhabits, it states that he's been hiding himself. It's so interesting. Truly you are a God who has been hiding himself. Why does God seem hidden from us? Why does God hide himself? I'm not gonna go over every reason, but I think there's a couple. And tonight, maybe it's not gonna be the most comfortable teaching <laughs> that you've sat in. Maybe tonight is just gonna poke a little deeper. Do I have permission to go there? That was convincing. I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> I like to poke. That sounded weird. We're moving on. Uh, number one, <laughs> God's, God's hiding grows our need for humility. God's hiding grows our need for humility. See, humility is a tough one to learn, isn't it? Humility just right-sizes some things in you. Nobody actually wants to learn humility. Humility is not fun. It's not a fun lesson. It's actually really crushing and dismantling. Like I want to do things on my agenda, my way, my time. I can just do it myself. How many of you were in group projects in high school and college and you always had that one dude, girl that were like, you don't ever do anything for this project. You ever have that? Like when you're in high school and college and you're like, some of you are like laughing. You're like, I know exactly. <laughs> some of you are like, I was that person. I didn't do anything. It was great. Uh, I got an A for doing nothing. <laughs> Uh, some of you uh, maybe were that person. See, maybe some of you are like a do-it-yourself. How many of you are a do-it-yourself person? You're like, right, forget it, man. If someone's not gonna do it, I'm gonna go ahead and just take it on. Like, forget it. I don't wanna work with anybody else. I just wanna do it myself. We all have those people that were in the part of the group projects that they just weigh you down. Like, they don't respond back to your emails. They're not doing their work. They're not putting things for the PowerPoint. And you're like, forget this, bro. 
And then, you, and then when the teacher gives the evaluations, you have to evaluate each person in your group. And you're like, man, what do I put? Like, what do I, how, how honest should I be? Uh, when I was in high school, I was pretty honest. You know, there's this one dude, his name is actually Alex. And, uh, and he actually didn't do anything for one of our group assignments. I don't want to remember this moment so vividly, but there was a group project that he just did not do anything with. He never sent any emails back. He never contributed to the assignment. When it came around for like the, the team evaluation, uh, we, I don't even know what the grading scale was. I just put F and zero. Like, I just like, I don't know what your thing is, but like F for failure, F for forgotten, and zero for like zero effort. Uh, I, I was like, he just didn't do anything. Uh, and a lot of you are like, when, when you feel like there's no one that contributes to a group project, you're like, I'm just going to do it myself. And this was exactly what it was for Joshua. Joshua didn't want to do a group project with God. He's like, I'm just going to do it myself. I just wanted to do it by myself. Joshua was known as a military leader. Look at what it says in Joshua 4. This is where Joshua kind of gets, uh, this is right after he gets appointed. This is after Moses passes away. Now, jo- now Joshua's in the picture. It says, that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. So Joshua is here. He's like, bro, I'm a pretty big deal. Like Moses was kind of like the Michael Jordan. I'm kind of like LeBron James. We'll just leave it up for like who's, who's, the, who's the real MVP. Like I, I got some stats in the game. I'm kind of a military leader. I'm kind of a big deal. I'm kind of known in all of Israel. And then literally a chapter later, God intervenes and then God humbles Joshua. This is in Joshua 5. This is right before, have you ever heard of the story when they march around Jericho and all the, all the walls fall? This is, this is that story. This is where now Joshua is setting up a strategy to go walk around the walls and try to conquer Jericho. This is, this is what it says in Joshua 5. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, literally a chapter later, after he just got appointed, and after everyone just views him as this big leader in all of Israel, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. See, Joshua has this courageous plan to attack the city of Jericho. Joshua is the military leader. Joshua has the strategy. Joshua has the plan. Joshua is the commander. See, Joshua knows what he's doing. See, for Joshua, everything that he strategized, everything up until his day, it was going as planned. But it wasn't going as God's plan. It was not going according to God's plan. See, Joshua was a great leader. But when God intervened, he learned what it meant to be a spiritual leader. There was a difference that Joshua had to understand. In humility, God had to under, Joshua had to understand that, hey, Joshua, you're not just a leader. You are a spiritual leader. And God confronts Joshua to change his perspective. There was a hidden pride in Joshua. He didn't know it until God confronted him. And when God maybe seems to come out of hiding, we actually understand our need for humility. When God comes out of hiding, we understand our need for humility. God required humility for Joshua, and he requires humility of you and for me. I'm going to go a layer deeper with this. See, humility at its brass tacks, it separates believers who are self-centered from those who are God-centered. I'll say that again. Humility separates believers who are self-centered from those who are God-centered. You might be wondering, like, is it even possible for believers to be self-centered? <laughs> yes, 
Like it is possible for believers to be self-centered. It's one of the hardest things as we move forward as, as what it means to follow Jesus. It's actually just to continue our need for him. The older we get, the more we feel like we can do on our own. The older we get, the more we feel like we can do it without God. Self-centered believers misunderstand the nature of their relationship with God. Self-centered believers ask the wrong question. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? What Joshua did when the Lord intervened, are you for us or are you for our enemies? You ever ask those questions? Like, God, are you really for me? God, are you really in this? It's the first question we ask when God seems hidden from us. God, where are you? I thought that you were on my side. I thought that you would be for me. I thought that you would fight for me. And God is always on your side, but pride doesn't allow God to always pick your side. God is always on your side, but pride doesn't allow God to always pick your side. Self-centered believers ask self-centered questions. Self-centered believers see themselves as the commander of their own life. It's my decisions, my plan, my life. It's my career that I worked for. It's my job, my calling, me, me, me. Self-centered believers view themselves as a commander and driver of their own life. Self-centered believers treat God as a spiritual resource. Well, I'll just view God as maybe a reservoir that I can go to. I'll just tap into God whenever I need him. I'll tap into God whenever I feel like he needs to show up. I'll ask God the question, are you for me or are you for them? And it shifts. Humility shifts us from being self-centered believers to being God-centered believers. It's God's hiding that grows our need for humility. See, God-centered believers, they see God as the commander of their life. Self-centered believers, they view themselves, God-centered believers view God as the commander of their life. God-centered believers treat themselves as God's resource. God, you're not just a resource that I'm gonna use, but God, I'm the resource that you want to use. God is the commander and we are the resource. God is neither for you nor against you. And when Joshua shows up and he asks the questions, are you for us or are you for our enemies? What does he have in his hand? He has a sword. He's got a sword in his hand. You know why? Because it's, hey, this is my plan. I know what I'm doing. I'm the military leader. I'm the strategizer here. I'm the one who's got the plans. I'm the one who's gonna be able to do it. See, self-centered leaders take the sword in their hand and they wave it around and saying, you know what? I'm gonna use God as a spiritual resource and I'm gonna use God however I want to. But when you grow in humility, God shifts your perspective from being self-centered to God-centered and now you become the sword and God waves it. God is not the sword in your hand. You are the sword in God's hand. Humility is the one quality that if you possess it, God will overlook all your flaws and give you grace. If you lack it, God will overlook all your good deeds and turn himself against you. And you're like, dude, that seems really harsh. <laughs> like, why would God turn himself against me? Look what it says in James 4. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, 
He opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud. In scripture, it's known that God hates pride. He can't stand it. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. See, pride must die in you. Otherwise, heaven cannot be in you. Pride must die in you. Otherwise, heaven cannot be in you. Pride and heaven cannot coexist. This is why Satan fell. It was because of his pride. Here's the question. Where is God calling me to walk in humility? Where is God calling me to walk in humility? The second thing, God might seem hidden from you if there is hidden sin in you. God might seem hidden from you if there is hidden sin in you. You see this all throughout the Old Testament. It's this cycle with the nation of Israel. They go to serve the Lord and then there's disobedience and then then there's captivity and then Israel cries out and then then they repent and then now they're delivered and then it starts all over again. They serve the Lord, then they're disobedient, then they're in captivity. They cry out, they repent, and then they're delivered. They, they serve the Lord, they're disobedient, then they're held in captive. They cry out, they repent, and then they're delivered. It's the cycle over and over and over again, all throughout the Old Testament. You ever feel like, man, I don't, God should just give up with me. You should just read the whole Old Testament. Like, they just never seem to get it. It's the whole nation of Israel does this over and over and over again. And you see this in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was is pointing at the nation of Israel, how they were now in the point of captivity. Why? Because they served the Lord and then they rebelled against God and now they're in captivity because of another nation. And so they waited five years. They waited five years for someone to show up. And Ezekiel shows up and he brings the news that nobody wanted to hear. <laughs> how many of you like when, when uh, you have good news and bad news, what do you wanna hear first? You wanna hear the good news? You wanna hear the bad news? <laughs> how many of you, just raise your hand. You wanna hear the good news first? You're like, I want to hear the, we got one, we got one, one good news. How many of you like, I want to know the bad news? You're like, get it over with, rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, how many of you love going to the dentist? Let's talk about this for a second. How many of you hate going to the dentist? You're like, I can't stand this. Uh, here, here's, a, here's a little hidden flaw. Uh, when I was in college, I actually hated going to the dentist. Now I'm like, you know what, we get used to it. Uh, there was a point where I didn't go to the dentist for actually like three years. Uh, and then you, you kind of delay it so long. You're like, should I go back? Like, should I, should I even bother? Like, you know, is it just kind of like past the point? Uh, and I'm in the, like, and then you get the x-rays and they start like digging around your mouth. It's really uncomfortable. And they hit all like the soft spots. Uh, and literally as a kid growing up, I would pray in the car. I was like, God, I'm so sorry for giving me my sin and give me no cavities. Like I was like, <laughs> I thought like cavities was like his judgment. You know, like if I have cavities, I'm like, ah, I messed, I did something wrong. Uh, and and, and one, on time, one time in college, they, they came in like, do you want to hear the good news or the bad news? And I'm like, gosh, dang it. Like, why do we got to, why can't we word it something differently? You know, like give me a toothbrush and bubble gum. Like how, how about we package it a little differently? And I said, why don't we go with the bad news uh, first? And they said, well, you have four cavities. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> and they said, well, uh, first of all, your, your teeth, uh, it was like in the most kind way possible. Um, they said, your teeth have shifted so much. Uh, and I was like, all right, compliment number one, thank you. Uh, and they were like, your teeth have shifted so much. Uh, and they said, do you eat like a certain type of candy? And I was like, what do you mean? 
Uh, and there's like, well, there's like these certain sugars called aspartame and actually digs on your mouth. And like, uh, they start, they literally start diagnosing me in the dental chair, like what my addictions were. They're like, you probably love sour Skittles and Diet Coke, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I'll just like crawl in a hole and die. It's fine. I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to hear the bad news. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go over the, the bad, what's the good news? <laughs> And we start getting to the good news, and they're like, well, good news is that, you know, one, insurance covers it. You don't have to do anything. This is like a super easy fix. Uh, and I was like, why don't we just go start with that? <laughs> See, a lot of us want to start just, hey, you know what? Bad news, get it over with. I don't want to hear about it. And this is the bad news. See, Ezekiel's coming with some bad news. Like, he's got some bad news for the nation of Israel. It says this, it says in verse 7, it says, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The bodies you have thrown there are the meat and the city is the pot, but I will drive you out. So this is now where Israel has, has disobeyed the Lord. They're now in captivity. Now God is opposing them. Now God's against them because he was not for them. He says, you fear the sword and the sword is what I will bring against you, declares the sovereign Lord. I will drive you out of the city and deliver you into the hands of foreigners and inflict punishment on you. You will fall by the sword and I will execute judgment on you at the borders of Israel. Some of you are like, wow, this is so comforting. I'm so glad I came tonight. Uh, then you will know that I am the Lord. This city will not be a pot for you, nor will you be the meat in it. I will execute judgment on you at the borders of Israel, and you will know that I am the Lord. For you have not followed my decrees or kept my laws, but have conformed them to the standards of the nations around you. They waited five years, and Ezekiel comes with that. Five years, they were like waiting for some type of deliverance, some type of breakthrough, and then they come with that. They had all this hidden sin, idolatry, conforming to the nations around them, abiding to, well, it seems like what they're doing is winning, so we're not gonna serve our God anymore, we're gonna do what they're doing. And hidden sin usually has consequences we don't ever want to admit. Hidden sin usually has consequences we don't ever want to admit. Hidden sin affects our lives because God designed us for holiness and anything else always leads to destruction. Hidden sin prohibits the Holy Spirit's coding and anointing on your life. Hidden sin makes selfish decisions that pulls us away from holy desires. They had hidden sin that eventually led to their own destruction. So that's the bad news. They lived in exile, they lived in captivity. They lived there for, for years and then, but it says this in Ezekiel 11, here's the good news. The good news followed the bad news. It says, therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will bring you back from the land of Israel again. You've disobeyed, you've wandered, you're in captivity. There, 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 there are consequences to the sin. There are consequences to the hidden sin that was in your life. But here's the good news, that God's gonna bring you back. In verse 18, it says, they will, not return, they will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove them from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. They will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Thank you, Jesus. That is the good news. That God can restore what was lost. God can give them a new heart. God redeemed 
God redeemed that nation and God can redeem a lost person. God, God can rebuild any broken situation. God can give a new direction and a new vision for their future. And this is where God reveals himself in Ezekiel as the Lord Shema, that the Lord is there. Ezekiel 48, after he rebuilds now the city of Jerusalem, the temple was overtaken, it was destroyed, and now God rebuilds it. It says the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. That when God rebuilds the temple, now his presence is there. And here's the hope. See, in the Old Testament, they had to live in exile and in captivity. Because of Jesus, we don't have to. Because of Jesus, we don't need to live in exile. We don't need to live in wandering. We don't need to wait for a future hope. God hasn't forgotten about you. God wants to rebuild things in you. God wants to restore that broken heart. God wants to mend that broken relationship. God wants to restore a hurting heart. God wants to rebuild things in your family. God wants to rebuild a better future. God wants revival in your own personal life. See, what God did in the temple, God wants to do in you. What God did in the temple, God wants to do in you. Because here's where the narrative shifts. In the Old Testament, the temple was the the presence and the location of God. In the New Testament, things shift because of Jesus and what he came to do. He died for your sins, rose, went to heaven, gave us the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit resides in each of you. Now the temple is not a location. The temple is in you. The temple isn't a place. Now the temple becomes a person. How powerful is that? In 1 Corinthians, it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? That you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, this verse was actually, some people use it in a physical fitness type of way, that, hey, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In the context of this passage, it's actually talking about sexual immorality. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom have you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The temple is not a location. The temple is inside you. And maybe God seems hidden from you because there's hidden sin in you. And maybe God wants to intervene tonight to start cleaning out the temple. Maybe God has to break things down so he can build things back up. God has to reveal things to you that feel hidden to you so that way you could be restored to the image of what God wants for you. Where is there hidden sin that I need to confess? If you're taking notes, maybe it's a question to reflect on later. Where is there hidden sin that I need to confess? The third and last one, God doesn't hide from you. He hides for you. God doesn't hide from you. He hides for you. See, as a little kid, I used to actually be uh, pretty good at hiding. Uh, In preschool, I actually uh, hid for so long uh, that they actually sent a search party out for me, uh, looking all over the community. I hid under the deck. Uh, I'm letting you in on a little childhood memory of mine. And I thought, uh, as a kid, I was like, you know what? I'm just a curious little kid. I I was never rebellious. I was never mean. But I like to be curious. I like to just kind of do my own thing. And uh, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I was really good at hiding. I was really good at sneaking out. One occasion in preschool, I actually hid under the deck uh, for multiple hours. They had like a whole, like, you know, like the people like yelling my name. Uh, They're like, Alex. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm not a dog. Like, what am I supposed to do? Come like running back to you, like have a tennis ball in my mouth. Um, 
but I had like, I was under the deck and I was like laughing. I was like, <laughs> suckers, you know, like, can't get me. <laughs> I thought it was like some big giant game. And uh, I was on the phone with my mom not that long ago. And we were calling all this stuff, uh, and she was like, she was joking, and she was like, I just feel like I'm going to get stomach ulcers because of what uh, my upbringing was when you just hit all the time, and all the things that you do last minute, and the ways that you just love to be a curious kid. And I was like, Mom, it's just part of the adventure. I'm like, I'm kind of hiding for you, Mom. <laughs> it just made it more fun. <laughs> I started to think on it, you know, like when it, comes to, to, when it comes to God, God doesn't hide from you, he hides for you. It's not for punishment. Like it's not for, God doesn't hide from you because he hates you. God hides from you. God, God hides from you so that way he can be for you. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 29. A lot of you know this passage. You've heard this before. You, you've sat in this. You know Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Again, this is the nation of Israel. This is now we're in exile and in captivity. They repeat the whole cycle all over again. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I'm going to say that verse again. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God will be found, but he will not be found easily. God will be found, but he's not going to be found easily. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place which I carried you into exile. God doesn't hide from you because he hates you. God hides from you because he loves you. God's hiding is actually for you, that you would not dwell in the things of sin or dwell in the things of selfish desires or dwell in the things that you feel like this is the plan that I have. These are the things that I feel like I need, but God actually hides from you so that way you can be for him. God hides because he loves us. God hides because he has more for his people. Here's a question that's worth reflecting on. Where do you need to seek God with all of your heart? Where do you need to seek God with all of your heart? See, God is everything to you or he's nothing to you. God is on the throne or he's not on the throne. God requires you to seek him with all of your heart because he wants your whole devotion, your whole attention. He doesn't want any distractions. He doesn't want any competition because the things in this world will never offer what God's presence can offer. God has more for you. God has peace to give you. God has purposes to give you. God has a plan to give you. God has a mission to give you. God has an identity to give you. God has salvation to give you. And before we sing, I just want us to sit in this moment and maybe you just gotta reflect in your chair. You just gotta sit and have a moment with God. Maybe for you, that's journaling. Maybe for you, that's just sitting in your chair and praying to God. And we'll have the, some of these questions up on the screen that maybe just asking and talking to God through. The band's just gonna play behind. I'll come up in a couple minutes. I want you to take a moment. Maybe it's you. You can feel free to scatter throughout the room. There's chairs in the back. You can sit on the ground. You can go wherever you need. Let's just take a moment and acknowledge that he is Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. In what areas of your life do you need to draw near to him?
So take a moment, go be with God. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12 Stuff. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.